Welcome to Faith Church Online. Thank you so much for checking us out. Our prayer is that you are blessed by this message. Just as we come to the Word of God, I wonder if you take your hand, just lay it over the top of your heart. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to join with me in prayer as we ask Lord God, will you come today and just place your hand over our hand, that where our hand lies over our heart, that you would touch our heart, change our heart, and today would make a difference in our heart. Lord, that if our heart is cold, you will warm it. If our heart is distant, you would bring it near. If our heart is hard, you would make it soft. That today, above and beyond everything else, Jesus would be real to us. He would be close to us. And he'd make a difference in our lives. Father, we believe in transformation. And we believe that Jesus is the great transformer. And we ask it in his name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Well, again, thank you. It's great to be with you and uh, just look forward to uh, being with you today and perhaps in future occasions. I'm here by myself today. My wife's in Australia and uh, she gets back into the UK on, on uh, Wednesday morning. I better remember that's Wednesday morning and uh, I'll be at Heathrow to pick her up. And uh, that's if the UK is still in the EU by then. It's very difficult to know exactly where we'll be and what our connections will be. But we know that the body of Christ has a mission, has a ministry, and whatever the circumstances of the world, the uh, mission of the church only becomes ever more important. We need to be convinced of that, persuaded by that, to live in that truth and recognise that what we have and what we carry and what we minister is the most necessary and needed message on the face of the planet. We need some confidence about that because what we have changes lives, what we have changes communities, cities and nations and God is in the nation changing business but he starts with individuals. I want to share with you today a couple of thoughts from the book of Kings. If you have your Bible, I'm reading to you one verse today from 2 Kings chapter 1. It, it will start a bit of a, uh, a, a, a sequence of a journey, it's the description of a journey it's the journey that starts and uh, it, it is for me a little bit like where we are in history today because history is not just one movement uh, seamless throughout the ages, it's, it's a series of transitions. It's a series of transitions and when we come to Second Kings we find that we are in the midst of a transition. There is the transition from a man called Elijah whose days were coming to an end. And there is a transition to a man called Elisha, whose days are just ramping up. And when we read this verse today, it's a, it's a moment where these transitions cross. One is winding up, the other is starting up. And there is this moment where the two are together in the frame of the Scriptures. And we want to see that today because we understand that God is... I think today, at this moment in history, there is something of a transition that is going on in uh, not only society but in the church. God is transitioning from one generation to another generation. And looking around today, I can see members of a generation who are, I would say, an Elisha generation, an emerging generation, a generation who are stepping into the spotlight of God's purpose and their season in time. And so while I speak to all people, I particularly want to speak into the hearts of young people that you are an Elisha generation. It's not necessarily your age, but it's your season, it's your heart, it's your moment. And uh, what uh, determines the outcome is how your heart of faith 
grabs the moment that God in his grace gives you. In 1 Kings 19, back a few chapters, there is a moment where Elijah, the man of God, the prophet, sees a young man called Elisha. And uh, the older man goes to him and does something that we might find a little unusual. He takes his coat and he throws it over him. A garment, a cloak, he tosses it over this young man. And in that act, he embraces him in this relationship in which the two walk together from there on. They walk together until the moment where Elijah is taken directly into heaven. I want to say for those that are older, there is something of a pattern for us to follow. That when we see young people in the house, our task is not to ignore them. It's not to neglect them. It's not to walk by. It's to embrace, to engage. It's to connect. It's to throw your cloak across them. It's to understand that their language will be different, their thoughts will be different, but their heart will be the same. And if we can grab a hold of a relationship with a young person or young people, we can do what Elijah did for Elisha. He can embrace him into a relationship. And you'll see in the verses that we read that Elisha would never break that relationship. We'll come to it in a few moments. But you can see for him it was a relationship as strong as any relationship could be. We want that sense of connection as we walk together, one generation with another, both touching the same significant truths, walking in their power and in their reality. So the first verse of 2 Kings starts like this. Chapter 2 starts like this. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. So we come to the start of this journey and we find these, these guys in a place called Gilgal. It doesn't mean much to us, but it was a very significant place and a name that would conjure images for any Israelite that heard it. For us, it's just a place on a map and it's probably a difficult place to find on a map. But for them, it was a significant place because something happened there that every Israelite would be aware of. And it was this place that their journey started. So here is the older man, Elijah, and the younger man, Elisha, and they walk together. The significance of that is that whatever generation you're in, the truth of Gilgal must be relevant and it must be significant in your life. It's not just a place, but it speaks of an experience. And the experience that it speaks of is this. Moses, that strong leader of generations before, brought Israel out of Egypt. Here were a people that followed Moses. The hand of God loosened the grip of Pharaoh and ultimately he let the Israelites go. They followed Moses into the wilderness. A journey that would have taken less than two weeks took them over 40 years and in fact none of them or, or all but two of them failed to make the journey. All of the while that they followed Moses... There was something about their mindset, something about the set of their heart that left them as prisoners internally. There was a moment that came that they left Egypt behind, but in a sense they took Egypt with them in their hearts. They always wanted to go back. They, they, they would say to, to Moses things like this, Moses, are there no graves in the desert that you bring us out here? 
Moses, couldn't we go back to where we came from? So while they were freed from slavery at one level, they were still slaves in their heart. And it wasn't until the day of Joshua, the next generation, the next generation, that God came and met with them at this place called Gilgal. And God said to them in Joshua chapter 5, in this place, in this place, Gilgal, this is the place where the reproach of your slavery is rolled away. This is the place where you are no more slaves outside or in. This is the place of freedom. This is the place where freedom is fully yours and in your hearts and minds. So a whole generation who left slavery behind took Egypt with them and remained slaves on the inside. It's a tragedy, isn't it, that people can be free, they can have the liberty of going wherever they want, drive, walk, run, whatever they want to do, but inside they're captives. Mike spoke of a vision before of touching a city, speaking to people who were addicts and slaves to something and how the church has a mission and a means and a ministry to set people free and uh, it's uh, that there are no shortage of candidates for freedom. And God has declared that freedom is the result of the preaching of the gospel and how that we as the church engage our society and that we find that freedom comes wherever the gospel is preached. Some years ago I, I worked in a prison in Australia and uh, one of the things I would do in the prison was spend time with, with prisoners. In fact, that was just about all I did was spend time with prisoners and, and they were, uh, and I had the freedom to come and go. Well, let me just qualify that. I could, I could, I could leave any time I liked, but I would, I would spend lots of time in, in cells one-on-one -on -one with prisoners. I, I met one prisoner who was uh, from New Zealand. He was a, he was a Maori uh, and uh, a guy with a violent history, uh, a severe history of violence, and he was in jail for a long, long time. And uh, I found that as a younger person, I was about 18 or 19 at the time, and I would go into the prison and, and, and because the, turn, the, the, the churn of prison population was quite quick, some people came and went quite quickly, but people with long sentences, I don't mean bad grammar, I mean long sentences, they, they would stay there for a long, long time. And so they were the ones that I got to work with the most and know the best. And so this particular guy, he, he was in jail for a long, long time, and I discovered that uh, some of the crimes of violence that he'd done were just too horrific to speak about. But there was something in his soul that was dark. The darkness of his soul reflected on his face. It left him with a permanent scowl. It left him with, uh, with a, an attitude that was against everybody. Whether they wanted to be friend or foe, he was against them, whatever they were. But I watched the gospel do its work. I watched the gospel do its work little by little, layer by layer, line by line, until uh, the, the darkness began to lift off his soul. Something of him opened up to the truth of God's word and that darkness began to lift. It began to change not only his heart but his face. And uh, there in the prison over a period of time, he became one of the freest people I've ever known. Contained in a prison cell, in a prison system to be sure, but free, free, free indeed. It's what the gospel can do. Obviously, in time, he was released from prison and he married a friend of my wife. So it's a, it's a wonderful story of uh, redemption, the, the, the complete power of redemption to save completely from a life that was spiralling down 
ultimately to, uh, to an early death. But God does wonderful things. But freedom is really something that comes to the inner man. It's not about your, your external circumstances. Whatever they look like, they can be a prison house. Paul and Silas in the, in the Philippian jail were contained in a dungeon. The Bible says the lowest part of the dungeon. But for them, there was no prison experience, for they were singing songs of praise at midnight. See, that's the condition of the heart. And there are people who, uh, who need that Gilgal experience in the church. It doesn't matter whether you're young or old, Elijah or Elisha, we need to touch base with Gilgal. We need to be no more slaves. We need to be free, free, free at last. Now, there might be a, sli a slide that comes up that will show some of those things as we go through. If there is, that's good. If there's not, it doesn't matter. But we understand that Gilgal is the place where we are no more slaves, where we are free, where we are free, where we are free. You know, it is the, it is the work of the gospel to free people from slavery. And we, whether we're old or young, we start this journey of following Jesus and we come to freedom in Christ. It's such a powerful thing that sometimes we want to stay there. We want to stay there and our Christian experience is only about being free and standing in the freedom that we have and testifying of the freedom and singing of our freedom and sharing the stories of freedom and it's something that we love to enjoy. But you know there's a journey that takes place. And Elijah and Elisha walked in their journey. And if you follow the story, you'll see that they moved because they moved from, from Gilgal and they moved to a place called Bethel. And they took this journey. It's not a long journey, but they took this journey together and we assume they walked. They walked along this journey, no doubt. They talked as they walked, but there was this journey. They had to go to a place called Bethel. Bethel is better known to us because we read about it in Genesis chapter 28. And whenever anyone talked of Bethel, they knew exactly what that referred to. They knew that they could cast their mind back to the, the story of Jacob. Jacob the fugitive, Jacob who had broken trust with his family, Jacob who had, who had broken trust and run away from his family. But in this, in this foreign state, in this broken condition and this estranged relationships. He found himself in an encounter with God and experienced the very thing that Mike spoke of when he spoke this morning to open the service. This sense of the presence of God, this sense of heaven coming to earth. And uh, Jacob, this, this runaway, this fugitive, comes to a place where out in the open he, he puts his head to sleep, not on a pillow but on a stone. And as he rests in this place, you can read it in 28 of Genesis, he goes to sleep and God breaks into his consciousness and speaks to him and speaks to him in a dream. And when he wakes up from his dream, he says three things. One, God is here and I didn't know it. Maybe that is your experience today. God is here and you weren't aware of it when you came. Maybe it's been your experience in the past as it was for me. God was with you. God was around you. God was ministering to you and you didn't even know it. And suddenly God broke into your consciousness through one means or another and revealed himself to you in a way that transformed your life. That's certainly my experience. But he said a second thing. Not only is God here, but he said, this is the house of God. 
And he saw that there, in this moment of encounter, this was where God is. This was not a building. This was out in the open. This was not a cathedral. This was not a monument. This was not a church. This was not any place made with human hands. This was a house where God's place, his dwelling place, was revealed to a broken human being. You know what? You know what he saw, I think? I think he saw off into the future, he saw the church. He saw the house of God. He saw what Mike talked about this morning. He saw the church. He saw the church as the, the place where heaven comes to earth. He saw the place where the, 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 the reality of God is available to ordinary people. Not about religion. It's not about ritual. It's not about practice. It's about people like us, ordinary people, broken people, damaged people, reaching out to a perfect God who has already reached out to us in the cross. He saw that down through his brokenness. He saw the reality of God's love and God coming to make a place where they would dwell together. The third thing he said was this. This is the gateway to heaven. He saw that he was a portal. He was an entry point, a place that you would come from one condition into another, into a relationship with God. He saw that. He realized this, this broken person. Sometimes we think God speaks to perfect people about perfect things. It's not true. He speaks to broken people and reveals perfect things to them. So that a young man in a, in a concert in New Zealand with crowded house, whoever they are, are they a New Zealand band, are they? Well, no wonder no one's ever heard of them. <laughs> no wonder no one's ever heard of them. <laughs> Under assumed names, I'm sure. Yeah, they live in Australia, Mike says. He knows more about them than anybody. Are you sure they've ever sold a record or anything like that? Yeah, they're well known. And yeah. No, they're a, good, they're a great band. and I, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, honour them if they're New Zealanders. You know what that's like, don't you? You'd be like the Welsh honouring the English. You couldn't do that. You couldn't do that. But they're a great band. Anyway, back to the subject. Anyone remember what the subject is? <laughs> crowded house, right. Because that's what God has in mind. A crowded house. A crowded house, heaven. Heaven filled. Filled. A crowded house, a house called heaven, filled not only with his glory, but filled with people. And God reveals his glorious things to broken people like Jacob. People like you and me, people like you and me, old people, young people, people like you and me, people who struggle with life at some level. God breaks into our consciousness, sometimes through a dream, sometimes through preaching, sometimes through a testimony and sometimes through a piece of cake that somebody might receive in the next six months and, uh, and that'll speak to them of the generosity of these people who are different than any other people I've ever met. And this encounter that Jacob had changed his life. It changed his direction. Instead of running away, he went home. It changed his relationships. Where he was estranged, he reconnected. It changes his character. It changes the way that he thought, that he spoke, that he acted. It even changed his name. That's the power of the transforming work of God's grace. What he did to that man in prison in Australia, he did to Jacob all those years ago, and he just saw the church as a distant view in the future. It wasn't a reality to him as it is to us. But sometimes that reality becomes for us just a ritual and a religious thing that it's Sunday, so we go to church. And we st stop living 
in the, in the breath of heaven and we start living in the world of ritual. God deliver us from ritual. God deliver us from religion. It doesn't change anybody except harden our heart and keep us from God. God, keep our hearts soft, close always to you. The journey went on because in, in, in our life, we don't just need the experience of Gilgal. We need the experience of Bethel. We need not only to be free from our slavery, we need to live in the sense of an open heaven, a sense of the heart of God available to us that transforms us. But it would be a wonderful thing to stay there, but Elijah and Elisha didn't stay there. They, they kept moving. They moved on. And together they took this journey, not very far, but a journey that took them to another place. The next place that they came to was the place called Jericho. Jericho, again, is well known to us because we, we think of Joshua who fought the battle, the battle at Jericho. We think of that amazing strategy God gave them, that they would come to this, this first encounter of a, an opposing force and how God gave them a military strategy to defeat it. It was an unusual strategy, but it was a godly strategy. Part of it kept their, required them to keep their mouths shut. Uh, because what you say is a really important thing. Uh, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and you can quickly unravel the purpose of God by loose language. And so here is this people now, they come with Joshua to this place called Jericho. Just as Elijah and Elisha did, they came to Jericho, and they remembered what this place was about. And in that place, Joshua defeated the city of Jericho. They walked around its walls, and after seven days, the walls fell down. And they were able to plunder the city and defeat their very first opposing force in this country that God had given to them. God had given them the country, but they had to take it. See, there are two actions that take place in giving. There is the act of giving, which God did. There is the act of receiving, which Joshua and the people had to do. There is that same lesson that comes to us, for God gives us so much, but we take so little. God gives so much but we don't take all that he offers. And we live sometimes with disappointment or frustration because we don't have what other people have. The difference is generally that they have taken what God has offered and we've watched and allowed fear or something else to overcome us. So they found that now this place is the place of victory. This is the place of victory, Jericho. So Elijah and Elisha come to the place of victory. How many in their life Answer this question for me. How many in their life have ever had conflict? Just lift your hand if you've had conflict. Of course you have. Everybody has had conflict. Why have you had conflict? Because you're a bad person? No. Because you've made some bad mistakes? Possibly. But you've had conflict because God has a purpose for you. And God's purpose is to turn you from what you were into a victor. In fact, he wants you to be more than a conqueror. He wants you to be more than a conqueror. And these two things go together. You cannot be a victor unless you've had a conflict. You cannot win unless you've had a fight. And here is the purpose of God to allow, in a staged way, certain things to come into your life that will be for you an opportunity to step into victory. He'll allow it to come more. He'll allow it to come in bigger measure. He'll, come, he'll allow that because he wants you to step from victory to victory, from glory to glory. He doesn't want you to stay the same. He wants you to step up. 
And so conflict comes. Sometimes it is of our own making. Sometimes it is because there's an enemy. Sometimes it's just because God wants you to grow up. So he allows conflict to come so that you will be, as it says in Romans chapter 8, more than a conqueror. You can't be a conqueror unless you've had something to conquer. Sometimes it's your own self. Sometimes it's an enemy. Sometimes it's a habit. Sometimes it's some besetting sin or thing that happens in your life. But God gives you something to overcome, to make you an overcomer. This is the thing that both generations need. The Elijah and the Elisha both need to know what it is to overcome. You you can't walk in the purpose of God unless you know what it is to overcome. Now the clue is this. It's not all about you and it's not all about me. For God wants us to live in victory ourselves so that we will experience him but also that we will share him. Because our lives are not just isolated, insular things that are lived like islands in the ocean. Our lives are intended to connect with each other and to connect and to engage with the broken world. And that's why the fourth place is there. So they go from now this place. Over here is Gilgal. Then comes Bethel. Then comes Jericho. And the last place they come to is a place called Jordan. It's a river. I'm sure you know it well. Jordan is a place that has a significance right through the scriptures. It's one of those rivers that's in Old Testament and New Testament. It's the river that Jesus was baptized in. And in the Old Testament, it was significant because in that river, it was the line of demarcation. It was where the people crossed over. They crossed over and God spoke to Joshua and said, I want you to cross over Jordan. It was the line of stepping into the land that God promised them. That was the boundary of the country that God gave them. When you step over, I want you to, and this was the phrase, possess the land. Possess the land. See, God's giving, but they had to take. You have to possess the land. So when you step over that river, as you go pass through it, you step onto dry land the other side. That's all part of the land that I'm giving you. And that's the land that you are to possess that's the place of influence that's the place where you bring the culture of heaven to the earth that's where my ways you get to live them out in this community you get to take the ways that I have revealed to you and live out those ways in that place are there enemies yeah yeah they're enemies but you can defeat those Are there problems there? Yeah, there are problems, but you can overcome those. There are things there that you'll need to do, but that's your land. And, of course, we know that historically that's still very much at the front of our news reporting and so on. That same land is still very much in the news today. That's your land. I've given it to you. And so here is now... Now this this crossing over moment as Joshua comes to the people, they pass through the river and you know how they did that and then they began to possess the land. You see, God's purpose is that the church will possess the land. It's that the church won't be a little isolated pocket sitting in a corner, irrelevant completely and touching nobody. The purpose of God is that the church will do what it did on its very first day. It will influence, possess the city. I don't mean own in the sense of we've seen the church do in history where the church has controlled things and ultimately corrupted things. I mean bringing heaven to earth 
and bringing the touch of heaven, the flavor of heaven, the fragrance of heaven, the power of heaven, the power of God into every part of a community. See, the church that sits away in a corner is not God's idea. The idea that God had with the church was to break it out of its upper room and to disperse it through a city so that the whole city hear of the wonderful works of God. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. This, this amazing thing that happened where God took fearful, broken people afraid of their own shadow and he broke them out by transforming them inwardly, filling them with the power of the Holy Ghost. And they went into the city speaking in languages they'd never learned and they began to speak of God's amazing work. The result of that is that people stopped in their tracks and they started to say, what, what's all this about? Some people said they're drunk. Peter said, no, they're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. And he preached the gospel then about what had happened to Jesus, how God had raised him up, he began to speak of the power of Jesus, the purpose of Christ. And the result of that was at the end of his sermon, 3,000 people came to Christ. That's the intention of God. That's what God intends in every place, that the church would be influential, that it would come into a place like this, on a day like this, in a moment like this, that through what happens here, there would be something that is placed into your heart to equip you for the work of the ministry that God has given you to do. That in your school, your workplace, your home, your shop, wherever you spend your week, that you would be an equipped ministry in that place to carry the life of God into a community. Not to sit away in a church and have a separate life on Sunday than you have every other day of the week. No, it's to equip you to make you a minister of heaven in the place on the earth where you live. So these four places, these are not options that you say, well, I think I'll live here because this is easier than that. No, it's a, it's a stage journey. We go from here taking the power of Gilgal, no more slaves. And we who are no more slaves, we become people who experience the power of God. We live under this open heaven where God is not foreign or distant, but he's very near, very close. In fact, he's in us when we invite him to come in the power of the gospel. And then we learn to live in victory. We learn to live to overcome, but we take that victory not just for ourselves, but we actually influence our world by the power of overcoming. See, God's purpose is never just one, it's always all. God has this purpose to reach many. See, Peter says it like this, whereas he answers the question. The question is this, where is this, where is this coming of Christ that we hear so much about? We've heard about it since we were babies and it's never yet come. Must be just a fable, must be just a myth. And Peter answers that question and says this, God is not slack about his promise. God is not slow. But God extends the day of opportunity, of salvation. He extends that day. Why? Because he is willing that none should perish. And so God extends the day of grace, waiting for more and more and more to come to faith, where they are transformed as Jacob was by an encounter with the living God where they are taken from the domain of darkness by their faith and an act of grace and transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved Son, immersed, baptized into the person of Jesus. That's what God wants to do. He's doing it all over the world. Do you know what 
the scripture says, Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says this, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And that means somebody's going to get saved today. Somebody will get saved today. Lots of somebodies, hundreds of somebodies, thousands of somebodies, tens of thousands around the world, people getting saved because today is the day of salvation. That day will close one day. One hour it will become dark and no one can work anymore. But this is the day of salvation. We together, the Elijah and the Elisha generations, we want to do this journey where we together will walk. We will recognize that one day is closing, but another is opening up. And for every young person, I want you to say, I want you to know, this is the beginning of your generation, your day, to walk in the purpose of God. You need to know these truths, because serving God is built on every one of these things that we've talked about today. The story ends, at least that part of it, like this. They come to the end. It's, it's punctuated by the prophets. He, who come from every town. And they say, don't you know that today is the day that the Lord is going to take your master from you? See, the prophets, they speak the truth. Sometimes they frustrate us by speaking the truth, but they speak the truth. We recognize there are prophets, and there were prophets in that day who kept speaking the truth. Different people from different towns who spoke the same message. God confirming a word. But they came to the end, and this was the, the cry of Elisha, the younger man, he said, what, do you, what, what, what can I have? And Elijah had said to him, well, if, if you ask something of me, you know, I, I don't know whether you can have it, but you can ask and God will answer the require that you, what you ask, what you think you need. He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want a double portion. And I would imagine that in a room like this, every young person would say something similar to that. I want a double portion. It's not that you don't value the generation that's gone before you. It's that you recognize you live in a different day. You live in a different time. Your season is different. And you have this view of the bigness of God. It's not about the limitations of your fathers. It's about the bigness of God. God, I want everything you've got for this generation because we'll need the manifestations of heaven to change the earth in which we live to change our city, to change our nation, to change our world. I'd love you to pray with me as I close. And in a moment, just hand back to Mike and he'll lead you in the closing part of the service. love to pray with you right now. Why don't we just close our eyes, bow our heads, as in this moment of prayer together, we just consider what God is saying to us today. We've asked him to warm our hearts, to come near to our hearts. I've asked him to harden soft hearts. God is faithful and answers prayer. And right across the room today, you stepped into this place of worship. You've joined with others that have sung songs and worshiped the Lord together. But the greatest act of worship is an act of surrender where we acknowledge his true worth. It's what worship is, acknowledging his worth. And his worth, it says, Lord, your plan is better for me than my plan. Lord, your love for me is better than any other love I've ever known. And true worth is expressed in surrender. Lord, I give myself to you. 
And today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to say again, this is the day of salvation. Today, the day of salvation. Today, if you've never given your life to Christ, you wouldn't have an assurance of your sin forgiven and a place in heaven. Then today is the day that simply by saying, Lord Jesus, come to me. I bring myself to you. Simply that feeble expression, a few words coming from a heart that's true, is enough to change, transform you, to lift you from the domain of darkness and place you into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. If that's you, if you've never done that today, I'm going to invite you in a few moments' time to respond and say, I want to do that. I want to have that experience in my life. If you're a younger Elisha person today, if you're an Elisha person, you recognize your day is coming and your role is to walk together for a season, to work together, to walk together, to serve together, to to be together, to learn and to serve the Elijah generation. (laughs) That generation which in this moment of time is is in a moment of transition. And if that's you, you're the Elisha generation. You're the younger generation coming. You've learned. You're learning. You're walking. You're serving. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet today. I'm going to pray for you. Stand now if you're the part of the Elisha. You recognize you're a part of the Elisha generation. If that's you, stand to your feet. I'm going to pray in a moment of time. You recognize these are days when God is doing things in your heart and life. God is doing things in you. God is preparing you for what's coming. God is preparing you. These are days when you're learning from those that have gone before. These are days when you learn by serving. Where you learn to wear the mantle that the Elijah generation has wrapped around your shoulders. You're learning to wash hands. You're learning to prepare. You're learning to watch and to learn, to observe and to to lay the groundwork for your own service. That's you, stand today. If you decided that you would like to give your life to Christ or recommit your life to Christ, why don't you stand too with those that are standing You stand to your feet. If you've never done that before or you want to recommit your life to Christ, you stand. I'm going to pray in just a moment and then hand back to Pastor Mike. You've got to find faith in your heart and courage in your faith. Courage in your faith. Courage in your faith. God's speaking to people about your own walk. You look like you're free, but you're still in the prison. God called you out of the prison today. He calls you to Gilgal. Stand if that's you. You want the transformed experience of life, the open heaven, the available God. Stand if that's you. Victory in your life. You've tried, but you've failed. You've tried and you've failed. You want to try again. Stand if that's you. To know what it is to walk in victory so that you can be overcomer. And you have a passion in your heart for people, people that God loves. You see broken people. You know God has got something better for them. And you want to be the means of connecting the power of God 
to broken people. Stand if that's you. You're the Jordan, the Jordan generation. The people who want to cross the Jordan. Father, in Jesus' name, for people who stand across the room, for various things, in a range of responses, I thank you. And I pray now, Lord God, that you would, Lord, from heaven, place your finger into the heart of every human being standing before you today. And Lord, you would cause them to know that they are loved by God, called by purpose, and called with a plan in mind. Lord, you have created good works, for these are your masterpiece. And Lord, before you made the earth itself, you had thoughts in mind for these folks to walk in. Lord, you built the earth so they would walk on this stage and reveal your glory by doing the works in this generation that Jesus did in his. I pray, Lord, that the church might find itself breaking out from its closeted space, stepping out from its upper room into a world of people, Lord, needing a reality and a demonstration of that reality of the love and the power of God. Father, I pray across the room, right across the room, men and women, old people, young people, some folks in the middle, single people, family people. I pray the touch of God, Lord, the power of heaven, Lord, to settle upon us today that we might know that that touch of heaven that settles upon us would unsettle us and shake us from our religious belief and set us into a life of mission. Lord, on the other side of Jordan, there serving your purpose in a generation that needs to know the touch and the power of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray and ask for your blessing on us all as Mike comes and leads us now. Let's just stay in this, this attitude of glorifying God as we prepare for what comes next. Amen. Hey, thanks again for checking out Faith Church Online. We'd love it if you could subscribe to be notified when we release a new podcast. You can find out more of what's happening by going to at Faith Church Wales on social media or by heading to faithchurch.wales. Thank you.